Well, uh, there's, a, there's a title for you, God's Hate List. This is God's Hate List in Proverbs chapter 6. These are not the only things that God hates. But I hope that you would agree with me when I say that if we read about things that God hates, then we need to pay very careful attention. Would you agree? Let me put this hate list into a, into a context for you, into a covenant context. If you can see the screen, Proverbs 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13 it says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Now when it comes to fearing the Lord, that doesn't mean that, that we are to be uh, scared, that, like there's a scary, afraid thing going on here about God. But to fear God means to revere Him. It means to know Him. It means to love Him. It means to be in intimate relationship with Him through Christ. So if we are God's people and we fear the Lord, it means we revere Him, we honor Him, we, we love Him, we're in intimate relationship with Him, and that means that we will hate the things that He hates. We will love the things that He loves. And just to remind you again, I, I hope that you did pick it up during the communion service, that, that, that the very heart of the new covenant is a new heart. Do you get that? The heart of the new covenant is a new heart. It's a heart that beats for God. It beats for the things that he hates. It beats for the things that he loves. And just to remind you again of 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Yes, that we might die to sin, that we may hate the things that he hates and live for righteousness, live for the things that he loves. And by his wounds you have been healed. So please understand that to come to know Christ is not just to have mere forgiveness of your sin. But it is to be resurrected, to use those words, to live for righteousness. To live for those things that please God. So let me give you three very simple headings as we head into this passage. There they are. What God hates, what God loves, what does this mean for us? And all the scripture will come up on the screen so have a look at the first one. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him, and the first one on the list is God hates haughty eyes. That means that God hates eyes full of pride, hates arrogant eyes. God hates an attitude of superiority. He hates self-made. He hates self-independence. He hates racism. He hates Better than... Have a look at this in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil and evil behavior and perverse speech. Pride is really the essence of all of sin. All sin comes out of pride. And even as you look at that verse, you can see how, 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 how evil behavior and perverse speech, they're connected to pride. It's connected to arrogance. 
Let me show you just a couple of other examples in Psalm 10 verse 2. In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. Can you see it there? All the schemes that man comes up with in his evil behavior, it comes out of this pride and this arrogance. Here's another one in Psalm 31, 18. Let their lying lips be silenced for pride and contempt. They speak arrogantly against the righteous. Notice the next one that's coming up. God hates lying lips, but it's connected, it's bolted onto pride and arrogance. Those that struggle with pride the most are those that see it in others the most. And arrogance can be expressed in so many different ways. Let me just give you a couple of little ones from a Christian context. We can be so prideful about our Bible knowledge. We can be so prideful about our salvation. We can be so prideful about our gifts. We can be so prideful about not using our gifts. We can be so prideful about the way that we use our gifts. When you think someone is stupid in something, pride and arrogance... You know that Jesus Christ absolutely hated the pride and the arrogance of the self-righteous Pharisees who were so full of pride. Woe to you teachers of the Lord, of the law, you hypocrites. You see, pride is when you'll take the speck out of your own eye. Pride is when you take the speck out of someone else's eye and not the plank out of your own. Have a look at Proverbs 21 and verse 4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produce sin. You see, pride is the hallmark of the wicked. The fool that says in his heart, there is no God, is full of pride and arrogance. God hates pride. Secondly, God hates a lying tongue. Verse 17, a lying tongue. We are never more like the devil than when we lie because Jesus told us that the devil is the father of lies. God hates lies. He hates telling untruths. He hates telling half-truths. He hates telling no truth. God hates it when we don't own what we have done and we lie by not taking responsibility. God hates it when we would, we would abuse his truth, when we would take his truth to say something that it's, it's not. God hates it when children lie to their parents. I didn't do it, but you did it. It wasn't me, but it was you. It wasn't my fault, but it was. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. You know, God hates pride. He hates a lying tongue. A third thing in the passage, God hates murder. Verse 17, hands that shed innocent blood. But we know that murder is not only taking someone's life with your hands. We know that, don't we? Do you remember the words of Jesus? You've heard it said, Matthew 5, to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. 
Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now Jesus is not saying that all anger is wrong. God gets very angry at our sin. But murder is also despising of other people. It's looking down on them in pride. It's thinking that you're better than someone else. Again, pride and murder goes together. Murder is sinful. So is ongoing hatred. So is ongoing disliking of others. Murder is not just what you do with your hands. It's the murder that you do in your heart. It's where in your heart you wish you could hurt them. You wish you could kill them. You wish you could defame them. You wish you could maim them. But you just wouldn't do it. But it's in your heart. You may never do it with your hands. God hates abortion. God hates racial killing. God hates genocide. God does not hate all war, but he certainly hates war that is predicated on pride and hate and superiority and vengeance. God hates Holocaust. He hates apartheid. He hates segregations. He hates uh, uh, the segregations based on race, color, and ethnicity because they are all forms of murderous hate. Murder also includes all forms of abuse and oppression, sexual, physical, financial, emotional, spiritual. Because abuse and oppression is the killing of the image of God in another person. God hates it with all his soul. That's what the Hebrew says. When it says that God hates, the Hebrew literally is, I hate it with all of my soul. Murder is also violence and injuring people in so many different ways. Look at Psalm 11 verse 5. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. God hates pride, he hates a lying tongue, he hates murder, he hates wicked plans. Verse 18, God hates a heart that devises wicked schemes. God hates it when people plan to do evil, when they plan to do wrong, when people think about cooking up schemes of how to rob people and hurt people. He hates it when people cook up pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes that rob people of their savings and their pensions, that they embezzle and they steal. When people start plotting how they can do the worst they can do and they plan to crook Centrelink. God hates, God hates those who would plan to exterminate people. God hates it when people mislead with, with misinformation, with fake news. God hates those who plan to oppress, plan to abuse, plan to manipulate, plan to mislead, plan to misinform. God hates it when you plan to cheat on your taxes. But God also hates readiness to sin. He hates feet that are quick to rush into evil. God hates it that when you see wrong, you see it, you see it, you know it, you can identify it, but you rush towards it, you move towards it, you go towards it. It's like a... Like a fly that's after something that's rotten. 
And this moving towards wickedness that God hates, it's not just moving towards wickedness, but it's also not speaking out against wickedness when we see it. When we keep silent about all manner of evil under the sun, God hates it. Have a look at this in Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. God hates silence against sin. He hates it when churches cover up abuse. He hates it when churches move their pastors and move their priests in order to cover sexual sin. God hates it when you plan to go out and get drunk, when you plan to go out and sleep around with whoever. Plan when you plan to do the very things that God hates. Oh, he hates it. He hates it with all of his soul. Number six, God hates a false witness. Now this is connected to verse 17, which talks about the lying tongue, but it's got a slightly different nuance. A false witness is in a legal context. So here's the picture behind the Hebrew. Imagine for a moment there is someone that's been accused of something and they're in the dock. And you've been called in as a witness. And you're a false witness because you're either going to acquit the guilty or you're going to condemn the innocent. That's a false witness. And God hates it. God hates it when you say, person X did this to me and they didn't do it. Or person X didn't do it to me and they did it. Or person X did something to me and you just keep quiet. And, and false witness, it's not just verbal, but it's also non-verbal. It's what you don't say. It's, it's the sin of omission. It's when you're silent. God hates exaggeration. Hates making things more serious than they are. Hates it when you make things less serious than they are. Hates it when you exaggerate the truth, when you sensationalize the truth. And the sixth thing, seventh thing, is that God hates dissension. He hates a person who stirs up conflict in the community. God hates unity breakers. Absolutely hates them. Now, some unity needs to be broken. If, if, if you've got a unity that's built around compromise, if it's built around lies, if it's a unity built around misinformation, that unity should be broken. But, but, but where there is a God-given unity and you want to break it, God hates it. But this, this travels across all sorts of borders. Spouses who break up their families and marriages through affairs. Children who would destroy their families through being fractious and dissentful. People who would destroy a God-given unity to a church. God hates factions. He hates cliques. He hates holy huddles. He hates coup d'etats. Now, brothers and sisters, these hates have been written on your heart by the Spirit in the New Covenant. These are the things that we should hate with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. There should be a holy hatred for these things, not just these things, but all the things that God 
hides in his word. Now let me give you an important reflection here. As we've gone through these hates, I wonder if we've been able to pick up why God hates them. Have you picked it up? Why does God hate these things? Because every single one of these things go against his character. God isn't like that. And the second thing is he hates it because every single one of those things hurt people. When you're full of pride, when you're full of lies, murder, planning to do evil, doing sin, being a false witness, causing disunity, you hurt people. To love, let me make this statement to you, to love what God hates is to hate God and to hate people. Did you get that? To love what God hates is to hate God and to hate people. But we don't just need to know what God hates. What do we also need to know? What he loves, right? Did you see the things that God loves in the, in the passage? Did you see that? Now hopefully some of you are going, huh? Where are they? Well, they're there. Can you see them? They're right there. Because if those are the things that God hates, then the opposite is what? God loves. So it's right there. So let me show them to you. Here's the first thing. If God hates pride, then he loves what? Humility. The opposite of pride is humility. Matthew said, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And there is no better example than humility than who? Than the Lord Jesus himself. In Philippians 2, who being, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God loves humility. If God hates lies, then he loves truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In John 16, 13, he said that when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. So God loves it when we speak the truth. God loves it when we speak the truth to one another. God loves it when we handle the truth, the Bible, in a way that honors him, not just yanking verses out of context to suit whatever we wanted to say. God loves honest speech. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value the one who speaks what is right. Do you, that God loves it. He loves it when his children speak the truth in love to one another. Number three, if, uh, if God hates murder, then he loves protecting the innocent. God loves it when we protect the vulnerable. 
He loves it when we protect the marginalised. He loves it when we protect the abused. He loves it when we uh, uh, pr 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 protect those that are poor. If God hates hands that shed innocent blood, then God loves justice and righteousness. Take a look. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. If, uh, if God hates wicked scheming, then he loves good plans, doesn't he? You know that God loves it when we plan to do good? When we plan to be godly? When we plan to win? See, oh, how can I bless? How can I lift up? How can I build up? Oh, God absolutely loves it. And look at these verses. These are just fantastic. Hebrews 10, verse 24, 25. Look what the writer says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of, of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see it? Oh, God loves it when, we, when we're seeking, how do, I, how do I spur my brother on? How do I encourage my brother? How do I push them forward? How do I nudge them towards godliness and righteousness and truth and obedience. How do I do that? Oh, God loves it. Absolutely loves it. If uh, God hates feet that rush into evil, then he loves obedience. God loves it when you rush towards those things that please him. Rush towards godliness. Rush towards Obviously, by the same token, he, hate, he loves it when we run from the things that he hates. Flee from sexual immorality. Flee from the youthful desires of the flesh, Paul says to Timothy. Oh, he loves it when we're, when we're chasing obedience. If God hates a false witness, then he loves a truthful witness. God, God loves it when we acquit the innocent and we condemn the guilty. God loves it when we apply church discipline to the unruly, to the disobedient, to the fractures. God loves it when we speak up for the abused, the oppressed, the marginalized. If God loved, if God hates peace breaking, then he loves peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is that ultimate peacemaker, isn't he? Right at the center. The peacemaker between us and God, between the Holy Father and the unrighteous. And God is that, that beautiful, Jesus, that beautiful Peacemaker, And again, let me say that peacemaking is never, ever based on lies or misinformation or, or peacemaking should never be based on those things. At the very foundation of peacemaking is truth. Truth. I, uh, I was listening to one of my favorite preachers in a car the other day or on a run somewhere um, in the rain, I think it was. And... Uh, 
And he was talking a little bit about peacemaking. He said this. He said, you know, when you've got two warring parties, when you've got two parties that are at odds with each other, he said, you can only bring them together if the truth is going to be on the table. That was so good. It was so good. Perhaps the most wonderful example of peacemaking, or one of them at least in the Bible. Look at this. Philippians 4. Paul writes to the church of Philippi and he says this I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with sympathy to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, if you look at that, that true companion in the Greek, that's actually one word. It's actually a proper name. It's, it's the Greek word syzygay. So what Paul does here, that he says, I ask you syzygay. I ask you syzygay, would you please help these two women in the church that are having a barney? I don't understand what Australia is saying. A barney. You know what that is? Okay, good. It's a fight. They're having a, they're having a war. They're, these two women, there's this faction. And he says, syzygay, would you... Would you, would you be a peacemaker? Would you, would you bring these two women together? Won't you, would you help them? Oh God, absolutely loves it. <coughs> how much God hates disunity, and how much He loves unity is perhaps in this verse more than any other. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time after that have nothing to do with them because God hates this unity and he loves unity. So let me start to close with this question. So what? What does this mean for you and I? Just want to ask that question again. Do you hate what God has? And do you love what He loves? Because that, brothers and sisters, that's the evidence of the new heart. That's the evidence of the new covenant. That's the evidence of true, living, saving faith that there is hatred within you for the things that God hates and the love for the things that he loves, that cannot be in an unregenerate heart. That's what the Spirit does in the life of a believer. But it doesn't stop there. They're not just meant to be a list of things that, okay, God hates and a list, okay, those are the things that God loves. Here's the first very practical situation. We are to put to what? We are to put to death those things that he hates. When those things, when that pride comes from the flesh and those lies and that running towards evil and that scheming and that murder and that violence and that oppression and that abuse and that false witness and that disunity, when that stuff comes from the flesh, when the evil desires of the flesh come up again and again and again, we are to put them to death. 
We have to kill it over and over and over because it keeps coming back again and again because we still live in the flesh, don't we? We still live in the old body. We still got that old sinful nature. And by the Spirit, we put it to death. That's what it means to live in the Spirit. Put it to death. Kill it. What does it mean? It means you go nowhere near it. You go nowhere near you run from the stuff. You hide, you flee, you go, you know. You don't want to have part of these things that God hates and for the things that Christ died for. He died for all the things that God hates. We put to death the stuff that God hates and we put on the things that He loves. So we put on humility of Christ. We put on the truth of Christ. We put on the gentleness of Jesus. We put on the lowliness of Him. We put on His obedience. We rush towards righteousness. We rush towards obedience. We rush to those things that He loves. And we embrace unity, love, truth. this morning and my eye is on someone else. When you sit here and you're thinking about someone else, how prideful that is, and that liar, and that, and that, and that, and man, in your heart. Remember those that have the biggest problem of pride or those that see the others the most, right? Can I ask us to stay right here in the space, in the time, and do it with our heart? turn away from that stuff to put on and ask God, ask Him by His Spirit to inflame your heart. Let, let me say this as well. Until you hate something enough, you won't kill it. Does that make sense? If we keep falling into the same sin again and again and again and again and again and again and again, yes, it's become this entrenched pattern. But the very hard bit, the reason why you don't turn foot and repent is because you don't hate it. You don't hate it the way you should hate it. You hate something, you'll kill it. And when you love something, you'll do what? Embrace it. When you truly love something, someone, when you hate something, can you do business with God here this morning? Just you and Him. Before you go and have tea, before you go and have coffee, just sit, pray, 
Could you take a moment to do that now and I'll ask the music team? 